Bills Mafia, was good? This Stevie Johnson, Mr. Why So Serious, and you now tuned in to The Lowdown with Jake Jordan. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake, and I'm going to be sitting here with my cup of coffee, and I'm going to be telling you everything you need to know on this beautiful Friday morning when it comes to the Buffalo Bills game against the Buccaneers. And then we will talk about the injury report, and then we will talk about the Buffalo Bills matchup of great importance against the Carolina Panthers this week. So make sure to stay tuned for all that. We're going to cover everything in this show, so make sure to sit down and listen because we're going to get everything. We're going to get into everything, the nitty-gritty, what we need to, what you want to hear. You're going to hear it in this show most definitely and as i sit here you know it's pretty early usually i record these later in the day on thursday i gotta record it fairly early today just because i'm going to watch the brand new spider-man movie and that means a lot to me me and my girlfriend are actually going to make it make like a whole day out of it make it like kind of a celebration because you know spider-man is very important to me especially when it comes to you know figures in your life spider-man is kind of one of those ones that i've grown up with as a kid that's been really important for even my day-to-day life it's something that's been crazy but i won't go too much into that and for a lot of people too maybe that was a bills player for you i know for my dad it was oj oj was one of those guys spider-man is kind of like my oj but it's just because of superheroes anyway let's talk about the bills bucks and honestly this game gave me hope and that's the one thing that i hate when the buffalo bills do is when they give you that little four-letter word of hope because there are so many teams in the past that gave us hope but a lot of people might be like we lost what do you mean hope hope that we lost we're done the season's over pal get out of here i'm done listening to your podcast uh that's no the season is not over and i'll break down why i say it's not over what situations we might need and why we are still in contention for the afc east even though some people might be like what there's no way uh but no bills bucks i said it on my podcast last week i actually wasn't able to catch this game live i was able to catch like the first and second half which go figure that was or not the second half sorry the first and second quarter uh let me correct myself But the first and second quarter, of course, were the only ones I was able to catch live before our boat went off and we no longer had service. And go to figure that the Buffalo Bills looked absolutely embarrassing in the first half of this game. And I was not able to see what ensued in the second half. The only thing that the boat had that they were able to play at the bar was NFL Network. So all I could see was the score going up and up and up and the bills coming back and i'm just sitting there and there was only like one other bills fan on the entire boat except for my family and we were just all going crazy and of course i live in florida as a lot of people know so you would know that i was i was surrounded 
by Bucks fans, especially leaving out of Fort Myers, which from Tampa is not that far of a drive, uh, considering Florida times to drive places. But yeah, that it, it was a great game. And of course, we'll break it down. And I'm going to talk about it right here. What went wrong in the second half for the Buffalo Bills? Um, in, in all honesty, I've got a couple of things that I can point to here, but it just looked like the Buffalo Bills weren't clicking. Something wasn't really working, whether that was you know the coaching or it was the offensive line play or just maybe it was Josh Allen I don't believe it was Josh Allen I don't I think that it was mainly and I I only put Josh Allen out there because I have seen that out there is that Josh Allen was the problem in the first half and I'll tell you right now Josh Allen was not the problem in the first half you could just see that Josh Allen was a can that had botulism that was just growing and was just waiting to explode. That is what Josh Allen was. And he ended up exploding in the second half. And of course we'll talk about that, but what is, what's the tale of the tape when it comes to the first half, the atrocious line play, my God, going into this game, we actually had our first healthy O line of the entire season with Dawkins, Feliciano, Morse, and then Williams and Spencer Brown. This is the first time we had it all season. And this is the first, maybe not the, you know, the first game, but this game, Shaquille Barrett made Spencer Brown look like a rookie. Like Josh Allen had no time to do anything. That's kind of one of the problems that we've had in games like the Pittsburgh game and the Jacksonville game is that these teams that are able to get pressure on Josh Allen and not allow a play to develop downfield for Josh Allen to take you know that it gets to him it it makes you know him have to wait longer it's a good approach to when you're facing the buffalo bills and josh allen and spencer brown look like a rookie i mean we can just say it as it is in the first half of that game spencer brown looked like a rookie and then you know where was the run place i'm pretty sure i saw a statistic that they said we did not run a run play for the entire first half i know i've been an advocate on this show and i've probably said a few times abandon the run game that's not what I mean when I say abandon the run game um, you know of course that would mean just get rid of it altogether but in all seriousness the Buffalo Bills still have running backs they need to use the running backs and have a run game but maybe not to the effect that maybe they were doing it in you know prior weeks leading up to this it didn't mean hey let's not run a you know let's not run the ball at all the entire first half that's not what it means it just means you have to be strategic with your run games just so that you can keep the defense honest and if they don't want to if they if they still just think that they're going to sell out and stop the pass and they invite you to run that's when you run the ball on them that's when you need to have at least any semblance of a run game and just that entire first half the the bucks weren't buying it they knew what to do they knew exactly what to do. Just try to get pass rush on Josh Allen and stay back in coverage. That's what they did. That's what they did against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and that's what they tried to do against us, and it worked in the first half. But the great thing about this Buffalo Bills team is that they were resilient. Of course, we're going to talk about that when we talk about the second half. But there was a couple of other things, too, like what happened in the defense. The defense just looked kind of lost on plays, you know, stupid penalties that happened that maybe shouldn't have happened. And there's just things that seem to just not be going the Buffalo Bills way on defense. Again, tightens up in the second half um, and some coaching decisions, man. I cannot 
sit here and say that I ever want to see a fake punt ran again, especially when they were in safe, like punt man safe. Like do, do not ever run a, a fake punt again, please. Sean McDermott. We sit here and talk about how conservative Sean McDermott is. And I understand we're down. Hey, let's run a fake punt. Not, not, not there. Not there. Do not run that fake punt. What what were we doing here? You know, some decisions to punt in these situations. Um, it, it, Sean McDermott just seemed to be playing a little bit scared. I feel like that's more of a, you know, everybody was kind of worried about a Josh Allen regression this year. I think maybe they should have been scared of a coaching regression that last year everything was clicking on all cylinders for the team, everything was working. All the coaching staff was just in a rhythm. It was great. But what really happened is that this year, the O-line hasn't been playing that great. The offense hasn't been doing what it needs to do. The defense, you know, sometimes is out on the field way longer than they were last season. Or actually, that's probably not the case because the offense was scoring so fast. The defense might have been on the field more. But it almost feels like the offense can't do anything. And that just means that the defense is out there on the field more because the offense is three and out just as quick as they were scoring last season. So in all honesty, I I think that just everything, it's just like it feels like it's falling more on the defense and the offense can't do anything done. It feels like an early thousands Buffalo Bills team. And it's just not working. And Coach McDermott is playing a little bit scared, knowing, well, the, okay, we got to win the field position battle now. Hey, let's not take as many chances because the offense just isn't doing what it was doing last season. And I can understand that. But I think in a game like this, when you're playing the reigning Super Bowl champions and they've got Tom Brady and you as a team are trying to prove that you're still contenders because you're not even winning your division anymore. At this point, you were, you're you know two games behind in the division. You're just still trying to fight to make the playoffs. That's what you're doing. And you play scared. And I understand maybe it's just a strategic thing, you know, I but still, it's like, you know, go for it. Get some balls. Like, I understand there's a difference between being reckless and, you know, being a coward. But some of those decisions almost felt cowardly more than they were strategic. But that's like the first half. What What is the tail of the tape when it comes to the second half, you may ask? Well, if you watch the game. I don't need to tell you this more than you probably already know. Josh freaking Allen, everybody. Josh Allen. It was the Josh Allen show in the second half. Like I said, he was a can that had botulism that was sitting on the store shelf, and finally it exploded. It was a can of spaghetti that was ready to explode. And that's what happened to Josh Allen. Now, of course, that's what ended up getting him hurt, and we will talk about that in the second half when I talk about the injury report this week. You're going to be hearing about Wednesday's injury report, which is kind of a walkthrough. Uh, maybe if I have time and I'll record the second half of this later in the day before I go to watch the movie, maybe they'll put the injury report out earlier. But we, I, I will be gone pretty much from 4 o'clock, so I'm not quite sure when that'll come out. But the second half, Josh freaking Allen, man, dude went off with his legs. Finally, something that I've been looking for. And of course, people who have been listening would know that I have said that I want Josh Allen designed runs, not 
more to where you're killing him, but it, it almost feels like Josh Allen is your best option when it comes to running the ball. Like, just look at how the Baltimore Ravens use Lamar Jackson. Of course, you know, Lamar's smaller, he's more elusive. Josh Allen likes to really run over people. But there's times where, you know, you see that it's just wide open and Josh is still just back there trying to get the throw off when it's like, Dude, you could run and probably pick up a good chunk of yards, which I feel like Josh Allen in his earlier seasons was more ready to do that. Probably a little bit too ready to do it before actually throwing the ball. But now there's a little bit more, like a lot more confidence in his arm. And that's why maybe he doesn't take off as much. But one of the things is designed runs, man. Like if they're going to just leave it open and invite you to run, you need to have designed concepts for Josh Allen to take advantage of that. I don't think that that's something that, you know, is, you know, crazy to say or anything. Like it's something that you should do. You have a quarterback that has legs. I'm not saying run him into the ground and turn him into Cam Newton. You know, that experiment that we're seeing with the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton 2.0. I mean, but the writing's been on the wall for Cam Newton the last couple of years. He's just not that good. But you don't want to do that and almost take away and hinder that that uh that ability that Josh Allen has. You just don't take advantage of that. It feels like almost a detriment to your team more than it is Josh Allen because Josh Allen just wants to do anything to be able to win and the thing is if Josh Allen isn't ever able to run again and he becomes a pocket quarterback I mean dude's got the arm and he'll never not be semi elusive he's not going to turn into Big Ben who's basically looks like a tree back in the pocket like he will still be able to move around at least a little bit and he's got an arm that Cam Newton never had so I'm definitely, you know, all here for if we, you know, need to really get everything moving with the run game and make defenses be honest so that we can take advantage of everything, which it looked like in the second half we did use Josh Allen to the best of his ability. What else happened? Well, you guys know, I love this dude. I love this receiver on our team. And of course, Emmanuel Sanders goes down. And who gets to step into that wide receiver two position? None other than Gabriel Davis. And everybody, I've seen it all week. I've seen all the love for Gabe Davis. So much that my uh, my handle on Twitter is president of the Gabe Davis fan club. Uh, kind of my saying, and if you listen to me last week, is that I was a Gabe Davis fan before you. Therefore, you know, I'm I, not I'm better, but... You know, I was a fan before you, and you can join the fan club. That is why I'm the president. And I've I've seen a lot of people just saying, like, hey, love Gabe Davis. And I only changed my handle to that because two weeks ago I heard, I saw Nate Geary put out a post talking about why, you know, Gabriel hasn't been wide receiver two yet. And that's probably because, you know, if he was going to be wide receiver two, he would have ended up being, I think, that might just have more to do with, you know, the veteran leadership that they've brought in, at, especially with Emmanuel Sanders. And Emmanuel Sanders hasn't really lost a step or anything. So I definitely think that they kind of value that more and know what they have in Gabe Davis. And they know that he's going to be a very, very reliable guy when somebody goes out. 
And when that guy, I, I love the opportunities that Gabe Davis has given. And of course, if you don't know the backstory, I go to UCF, the college where Gabe Davis played most of his college career. So of course, I'm sitting here as a freshman in college, and I'm seeing Gabe Davis with the undefeated teams with Otis Anderson at running back and Mackenzie Milton at quarterback, the undefeated UCF teams that you hear all over the place. Yes, we put up a national championship banner, you know, say what you will about that. But I was there for those teams. Like it was absolutely crazy to watch it get built up. And, you know, Gabe Davis was a cornerstone of that team. I was so happy when we when we drafted him because I knew the kind of guy you were getting. A guy who's going to be a dog out there. Gabe Davis is someone on the field that he is going to do whatever it takes to try to make the best play. And, you know, what's awesome about it is that the rapport that Gabe Davis always establishes with his quarterbacks, him and Mackenzie Milton, when they're on the same page, there's a reason why those UCF teams were undefeated. Yes, they played some bum teams, but when they played good teams, like when they played Auburn in the postseason in the bowl games, like there's a reason why they won against good teams like that. And that's because Gabe Davis is just a madman when it comes to being on the same level with his quarterback, being having that mental connection and sitting there. His big playability on the sideline, how physical he can be. You know, he's great in matchups because he's a big, tall guy. He can 50-50 high point a ball. Dude is awesome, and I really, really love Gabe Davis for that reason. But what else that I really like about this game is the resilience that the team showed. And that's something that, of course, we're going to have to circle back to what I said at the beginning where everyone's like, dude, we lost. You know, it's over. The season's not over. What I saw from the Buffalo Bills in the second half is exactly what I've been waiting to see all season. I've been waiting to see that team that I saw last year that could turn it on and go toe-to-toe with the best of them and be able to win. I've been waiting for that team. I've been waiting for them to have a moment where they tighten up on defense, don't give up anything, and the offense is just rolling. It doesn't matter who's in there, receiver, it's, they're just rolling. They've got it going. Josh Allen's running. They're getting first downs. They're making the defense all confused. you got all these weapons. You can use them. You can throw it all over the field, and you drive on them. You drive on them, and you drive on them, and you pile it on. That's what I've been waiting for this team. The only problem is they waited a half too late. And, of course, they were able to take it into overtime, but you know they play the GOAT and Tom Brady, and you have to sit there and go, yeah, you know, you had to know that of officiating aside, you'll notice in this game I have not talked about the officials. Everybody knows the officials were terrible in the game. You can't change that. It's part of the game. It feels almost blatant and it's very disrespectful and it should make I, I wish Jerry Sullivan could ask those refs if they were embarrassed. That's what I'm gonna say. Because it was absolutely awful. But of course, you go into overtime and then you don't convert and the bucks get the game and when you give the goat one drive to go down and even though you have stopped him in the fourth quarter and made their offense basically irrelevant still it's moments like that that make tom brady one of the greatest and that's the reason why the bills fan that was with me when we were watching overtime when we went three and out he walked away because he knew exactly what was going to happen he was like it's brady in overtime, you gave him a chance. Your best chance was winning that coin toss and not even giving him a chance to come out on the field. 
So I would definitely say that, you know, the second half, this team gives me hope that the only thing they got to do, ladies and gentlemen, is this weekend on Saturday, you need to be the biggest Colts fans in the world. And you know why? Because if the Colts beat the Patriots and then we beat the Panthers, which God forbid, of course, we will talk about that. Um, and we beat the Patriots or sorry, we beat the Panthers and then the Colts beat the Patriots. Our matchup against the Patriots, if we beat the New England Patriots next week, we're number one in the division again. We They lost to the Miami Dolphins in week one. That would give them more division losses than us. And being tied, that would give us the tiebreaker. And then they have to play Jacksonville and Miami and we have to play the Falcons and the Jets. All we got to do is win out and we will win the division. So it's not over, ladies and gentlemen. The only thing, it, it's basically over, I mean, per se, if the Patriots do beat the Colts this weekend, then, you, you know, you got to rely on Miami at the end of the season. And maybe that's maybe that's not what you want, uh, you know, going into the end of the season, because we all know what happens when Miami has to actually play for something in the last game of the season. But, of course, this has been the first half. You have been listening to The Lowdown on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. I've been your host, Jake. And, of course, I'm going to play something in the middle for you guys. And after you listen to that, we will be back for the second half to break down injuries and the matchup against the Panthers this week. You don't want to miss it. The, the way the Buffalo Bills played in the second half, there we go. Mm-hmm. There's... There's the balance we were looking for. We're going to get to the negatives. out, And whatever it is the fuck Brian Dable thought he was doing in the first half is going to be on my list of things that were concerning. We found a really good balance there in the second half. We were using the pass to set up the run. You had seven carries in the second half. Nine yards per carry between Devin Singletary and Matt Breida. If you just had seven carries in the first half, that's 15 carries for the game. I'm not asking for a 30-carry game back. I'm not asking for a 20-carry game back. Just give me 12 to 15 carries. Give me at least six handoffs a half. Something to get the defense thinking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were blitzing at will, knowing that every single one of those play actions was going to stay in Josh Allen's hands, that the ball was not going to go to the running back. They were blitzing them like crazy, and that wasn't helping your offensive line. So finding a balance and making sure that your running backs get the ball at least six to eight times and a half, that's something that I think the Buffalo Bills should take away from the second half, maybe carry into every half of football. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is the lowdown only on the Built in Buffalo podcast network, and this is the second half. I hope you guys enjoyed that little clip I played for you from my guys over at the Air Raid Hour, who coincidentally did get me into this podcasting game, so I will always appreciate them and will always listen and support their show no matter what network they are on. And of course, in the second half, if you do listen to the show regularly, you do know that we will break down the the injury report again since it is 10 30 in the morning on the thursday i am recording this this is wednesday's injury report and the bills conducted a walkthrough on wednesday so it's not really conducive to what you may know listening to this on friday then you will get you know thursday's injury report and of course you can always listen to the uh live show that i do every single friday night with 
Justice and Izzy over on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. We do a first round buy. It's always awesome. Definitely would appreciate it if you guys did go check that out. Uh, this is going to be our first time back all together in uh, quite a bit. We've had some guest hosts over the last couple of weeks. It's, you know, tis the season. You know, I'm a college student. You know, I got to travel around to go visit families and stuff like that and after battling a uh, round of the rona it was definitely something that we did need to uh, get past and now that everything is good everything is back to normal we are back to where we are and that is hosting and being those friday night guys underneath the friday night lights so make sure to go check that out but of course let's go through the injury report as always, vet rest, we had Addison and Beasley, so those guys, you don't need to worry about it. Of course, Beasley on the injury report the last couple of weeks for ribs seems as if he is now no longer dealing with that issue. That is great. A healthy Cole Beasley is always something that you want on your team. Limited, uh, we're going to go through three names and then the big one that's on there. We've got Hughes. Starla Tulele and Tommy Sweeney. Those guys are were limited in the walkthrough. Definitely make sure to check out Bill's PR. Um, you will be able to get... You've probably seen Thursday's injury report by the time you're listening to this, but go back, check it out. And then, of course, you'll get the updated one on Friday nights if you do choose to listen to First Round Buy or watch First Round Buy again on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. The big one is... Josh Allen, and I know this is going to be a really big talking point because I've already seen it uh, ever since it was announced and was seen that Josh Allen was in a walking boot leaving the game against the Buccaneers. I, again, don't think that it was probably that bad. That was just a precautionary measure to put him in a boot to make sure he did not do anything else to his foot before they could get the full scope of what was wrong with it. Initial reports had us believing that it was turf toe, but then things came out after that that it was a foot sprain, so that could be a multitude of things, things that are strained or you know stressed in the foot that were causing him pain. And we will see what happens from that. And I think a big result of that is, you know, Josh Allen was getting twisted up and landed on because they were running the ball more with him. Something that people are getting very, very worried about and hoping that that does not become something that happens on the regular. And I don't think it is. I think Josh Allen, honestly, from everything that we've heard from him, sounds like he is ready to play this week against the Panthers. So all of my assumptions are going to be that Josh Allen will be playing against the Panthers. But of course, we will also talk about the fact that if Mitchell Trubisky needs to play against the Panthers, what I think the Buffalo Bills should do. Then and then our did not participate in practice again. It was a walkthrough where Sanders and Taiwan Jones again, Taiwan Jones, special teams guy. I always I know the importance of special team. You can never look at a guy and be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Taiwan Jones doesn't have a super gigantic impact, but again, really good special teams guy. And then, of course, Emmanuel Sanders. You guys heard me gushing over Gabe Davis earlier in the thing. I do believe that Emmanuel Sanders is a big piece to our offense. I'm just 
Not sure, like, I'm sure that if they switch the game plan up and Emmanuel Sanders was still playing and was not hurt in the Bucks game, the Bills still probably have just as much success. I don't think Gabe Davis is the sole reason why they had success. I'm just saying that Gabe Davis was a real big star and one of those guys in the game that really shined. And it seems as if every single time Gabe Davis gets in the game, plays do get made, and you cannot deny that. But that's just an overview of the Bills injury report, of course, coming out of the week 14 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and going into our week 15 against the Carolina Panthers, which, of course, the Buffalo Bills have a tight connection with the Carolina Panthers ownership groups and basically, you know, Sean McDermott and a lot of the coaching staff that is here and the front office came from Carolina. So, you know, there's always like the being called the Carolina Bills. We have former Carolina Panthers players on the team. It's definitely a game that, you know, they they take some pride in when it comes to Panthers week every single time that we do play them. One of the things to to look forward to in this matchup, of course, I have to go. What are the keys to a Bills win? When you look at the Carolina Panthers team, coached by Matt Rule, uh, recently just let go of offensive coordinator Joe Brady, uh, they're floundering. The Carolina Panthers, they did have expectations this year at the trade deadline. They did go ahead and get Stephon Gilmore. I do if if it serves me right. If not, Gilmore was released, but I'm pretty sure. Anyway, Gilmore ended up on the Panthers, and of course the Panthers' defense was revamped, and look, the Panthers' defense is still something that you have to look at when you're looking at this team. I see a lot and a lot of people saying that this is going to be an easy win for the Buffalo Bills. I'm tired of saying that because I can't just sit here and say that the Buffalo Bills are just going to come out and outright win against the Carolina Panthers. I said that about the Jaguars at didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to. And of course, I went and watched that game. You can currently get tickets to the Bills versus Panthers game for the low, low price of about a combo from Chick-fil-A. That uh, I don't know why this game seems undesirable, but I think a lot of people think that this game might just be a blowout. And I don't think it's going to be that. I think somehow the combination of Cam Newton and Chuba Hubbard are going to be able to run on the Bills. I think that, you know, they still have dynamic receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think that when they end up putting PJ Walker in, that offense works a whole lot better than it does with Cam, but they're trying to do the Cam Newton 2.0 experience. And it's just not working out in Matt Rule. It seems as if they are sabotaging the season just so that they can have a better draft pick. But what are the keys to a Bills win? Look, we saw it in the second half against the Bucks. It seems pretty easy. You have that balanced football game where basically you keep the defense honest. If they want to go out and sell out to try to stop your passing game, then you need to sure as hell run the ball on them until they decide to move up, and then you can start getting to work. Because the Bills, even minus Emmanuel Sanders, still have one of the best receiving cores in the league. It's very deep, and they will take you over the top. That's just what it is. Josh Allen is the only thing that stops this team from getting you underneath as well because he... You know, as much as we love Josh Allen, he'll sit there 
and he will most likely be looking for the big shot more than he is the underneath thing. It's just kind of how Josh Allen plays. So definitely be on the lookout for that. I think they need to play balanced football. We saw it in the second half against the Bucks, and they had a lot of success. So hopefully Brian Dayball takes that formula and moves forward with it, and the Buffalo Bills can finally find their identity on offense and keep it rolling going into our game next week against the New England Patriots. And then, of course, we got to take advantage of Cam Newton. Cam Newton has been benched the last two weeks because of poor quarterback play. I think that, again, them just changing offensive coordinators, it's just not working out. I think the Buffalo Bills really need to take advantage of Cam Newton really struggling right now as the Carolina offense just seems to be struggling altogether. And they can take advantage of that, especially at the Buffalo Bills, take advantage, get good field position, win that battle. I think it's easily that the Buffalo Bills should win this game. And, of course, i got to give you my final score prediction. Of course, we'll go more in-depth on it uh, on Friday night on first round by I always try to leave these kind of vague and open-ended because you know one of the things I don't go into full detail like player personnel matchups and things like that of course you're going to want to look out for Stefan Diggs versus uh, Stefan Gilmore that'll definitely be the thing to look out for and of course Hassan Reddick on their team and look that like we will go into that on first round by so make sure to check that out again 9 30 friday night make sure you're there the friday night guys under the friday night lights my final score prediction for this game is 28 13 bills i thought last week i would predict the buffalo bills to lose to the bucks and actually you know my score prediction wasn't far off but uh I do believe that the Bills will win this game. I think the Bills are on track. They're the team I wanted to see coming into the season. It's what I thought the Buffalo Bills were going to be. They're stout on defense, and man, does their offense click. When it's clicking, it's good, and I think the Buffalo Bills need to find their rhythm. I think they have in the second half. They know kind of their identity. I think Brian Dable takes that and keeps going with it. I think the Bills do beat the Carolina Panthers, and then hopefully the Colts spot us um, another, just spot us a favor after they came in and boat raced us and beat the Patriots. Therefore, we can then take advantage of that in our matchup against the Patriots. So, of course, that's our show. Again, keep it around 30 minutes, a short, sweet show for you today. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, it's just something you listen to on your way to work or, you know, coming home from work and you're getting ready to start your weekend. I hope it's going to be awesome. Again, you have been listening to The Lowdown with Jake Jordan only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. And I will see you all of you guys next week.